Amen, Randy. Thank you for that. If you would, please turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be picking up in verse 28 of Mark chapter 10 and reading down to verse 31. Looking at a specific episode in the the ministry of of Jesus, according to the gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark 10, starting in verse 28, if you are able to stand for the reading of God's word. The Word of God says this, it says, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Please be seated. As I've mentioned already, in the month of December, our church, along with with almost every other Southern Baptist church in our country and in many others, will be collecting what is called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And for some of us, this is old hat. This is something we've been doing for years and years and years. I'm reminded of Miss Thelma, who was an advocate for missions in our church for many, many years, so much so that even as she came into the twilight hours of her life, that 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 was still ever on her mind, even when you would go see her or go visit her. This was something that was important and a part of, of this season. For some of us, this is old house, and if I just say Lottie Moon Christmas offering, you know exactly what I mean. But for others in the room, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay. I was not raised Southern Baptist myself. In fact, even when I joined a Southern Baptist church, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering was just a line item on the budget, and I didn't know what it was or who it was until I came here as a man in his 30s. It leads us to questions like, who's Lottie? What is a Christmas offering? Where does it go? What does it do? And so I wanted to take some time today and explain what the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is as we jump into Mark chapter 10. Lottie Moon was a missionary to the people of China from 1873 to 1911. Prior to that, she had been a teacher and even a teacher right here in Kentucky. She was um, a trailblazer for her day and age as she was one of the first women to go overseas as a missionary unaccompanied by her husband. She taught at a women's school and did several other missionary journeys into the inland of, of China. And her church was found in the Shangtung province of China. She did amazing work there, but what made Lottie Moon so famous, specifically among Southern Baptists, was the letters to home that she would send. 
Indeed, Lottie was known for sending lenders back here to the United States to various churches in order to muster support for her work in China as well as the work of missionaries all over the globe. Even today, you can actually download copies of her letters for free at imb.org. She famously wrote in one such letter this, Is it not the festive season when families and friends exchange gifts in the memory of the gift laid on the altar of the world for the redemption of the human race? Is it not the most appropriate time to consecrate a portion from abounding riches and scant poverty to send forth the good tidings and the great joy into all the earth? See, Lottie understood that in order for the missionary task and the missionary's work to be done, that it costed money, that they needed support. And she was one of the people that said at this time, at this season, which we celebrate the greatest gift that all of humanity could ever have, that we should set aside a gift for his work among the nations. And so in 1918, After her passing, the the Women's Missions Union of the Southern Baptist Convention began to collect the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that is designated to support our international missionaries throughout the globe. To give you an idea of how important this giving is, your regular tithes and offerings are a part of what we call the cooperative program and it supports the International Mission Board as it sends missionaries throughout the world and has all of the organization and understanding that goes with it. But Lottie Moon Giving gives them the resources that they need to do the work of ministry abroad. As our missionary Stan has once said, and I'll never forget that driving in the car with him, he said, the IMB may own my car, but Lottie Moon is what puts gas in it. And so as Stan drove all over uh, the island of Florianopolis and, and Santa Catarina, which is a state in southern Brazil, or now the state he currently resides in, which is Rio Grande do Sul, he knows that it is the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that allows him to have gas in the car to go to churches, to go to individuals, and to share the good news of the gospel. We collect this offering throughout this month because we know that it is directly supporting missionaries all over the world so that they can bring the good news of the gospel to people who are far from God. And that leads us to our passage today. In Mark chapter 10, we have a a very interesting thing taking place. And if we go back just a a few verses to, to verse 17, we begin to kind of get the context and the conversation that is taking place. In Mark 10, 17, we are introduced to a guy called the rich young ruler. Now, ironically, nowhere in Scripture is he called the rich young ruler, but he's called young over here, and he's, he's called rich on all of them, and he's called a ruler over there, and we've realized that, that in different Gospels, he's all this same person, and so we put all those descriptions together to call him the rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, being the fact that he is both rich and young would imply to us that he has probably inherited his wealth. 
And so he is asking Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I have it almost saying, I have this life covered. What do I need to, to, to make sure that I am in good standing with God for the life to come? Unfortunately, the task that Jesus gives him is beyond the scope of what he is willing to sacrifice. For indeed, Jesus first says that what do the commandments say? Honor your father and mother, you know, this, you know, don't murder, don't do this, don't do that. And he says, yeah, 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 I've done all that. And he says, okay, there's still one thing you lack. There's still something you need to do. Take everything you own and sell it and give it to the poor and you come follow me. And you can look just a few verses up and it says that the young man's countenance falls and he goes away grieving. In the midst of all of this that, that has happened, Jesus begins to teach a lesson about what, it, what, about what wealth does and, and specifically talks about the difficulty of, of uh, salvation and the difficulty of inheriting eternal life when, when wealth is there. Not that it's impossible, not that wealth is in some way evil, but just that it makes it difficult. And that leads us to Peter. Now, I love Peter. I love Peter because sometimes he talks and I kind of get the vibe that maybe he should have been silent. And the reason I love Peter is because you have probably learned about me by now. There are times in my life where I talk when I should have been silent. And uh, my wife usually informs me of when that time was about two minutes after it already came out. And uh, having children has really reminded me, specifically daughters, really reminded me how much I should probably be silent because I don't get the desired outcome sometimes when I talk to my children. And uh, if you don't know what that means, you can ask them. But Peter, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all this thing, he, he, he blurts out and he exclaims to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. And make no mistake, that is exactly what he has done. We can look back, and, and, and in Matthew chapter 4, we get a description of this. In Matthew 4, chapter, eight, or chapter 4, verse 18, he says, Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, and who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The scriptures go on to say that immediately they left their nets and followed him. And so Peter is reminding him of this. He has seen how this rich young man, this one that would have been like, oh man, this guy would be a great addition to the group. And he goes away grieving and Jesus is talking. He goes, hey, 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 ooh, ooh, me, me, I did that. And he did. And it makes us kind of think, you know, as he's saying this, He's saying, hey, Jesus, look how good I did. Jesus, look how good I did. If it's hard for these people to get, what about me? What do I get? And if we're really honest, we all sometimes think that way, don't we? We all sometimes go, well, what, what about me? What about me? What do I get for being such a good follower of Jesus? And we kind of miss the point a little bit, don't we? 
We kind of miss the point and kind of miss the, the main thing of what Jesus was even trying to communicate there. In fact, we can see the main thing. Go back one verse. Verse 27. Really, let's pick up in verse 26. After his teaching about the kingdom of God and, and wealth and its, 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 its way of hindering the kingdom of God, it says, and they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? See, there was a mindset at the time that, that if you were wealthy and well-off, that that must mean God's favor was upon you. And if God's favor was upon you, then, then clearly you were going to inherit eternal life. Not that they were against the poor. They just thought that it was a sign of God's blessing. Jesus has gone so far as to say, actually, it makes it more difficult. And so they say, then who could be saved? And Jesus says this in verse 27. It says, looking at them, Jesus said, with people... It is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And so Peter, in the midst of all this, he's saying, he, Jesus has just got done saying, hey, with people, it's impossible. With man, it's impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And he's paving the way for them to understand that salvation does not come through man's efforts, but salvation comes through the work of God. And yet Peter still jumps in and says, but what about me? I've done such a good job. Surely I get a special pass. See, the first thing that I think we really need to understand, even as we um, talk about things like Lottie Moon and we talk about giving in general, the first thing we need to understand is salvation comes by grace through faith. And that our giving or all the things that we might be able to do, those are not what make us right with God. When we talk about something like the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and we talk about giving in the church in, in general, our giving does not fuel our salvation. On the contrary, our salvation fuels our giving. Paul said it this way, he said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. See, when we talk about something like giving or when we talk about something like the, the call to bring the word to the nations and how we might support that by giving, I want you to understand that it all begins with the gospel. And that even as we dive into this passage today, what, what primed this passage was the statement, for with man it is impossible, but not with God. Now that should encourage us in so many other ways, not only in our giving, that God can do amazing things with our giving, even beyond what we think is possible, that God can take our faithfulness to giving, and even when we don't think we have enough to give, He can still use that in a tremendous and amazing ways. But also, when we look at the missionary task, there are times when it feels impossible. There's a big world out there. And some of those people are very hard to reach. We have countries in this world where it is illegal to share their faith. We have places in this world that have become so numb to the gospel that even to, to talk about Jesus just, just almost sends them running. And there are times where we can look at the world and it can seem impossible. And I'll be honest with you, there's times where for us we can look at Hardin County 
and it seems impossible. We've talked about this in the past, and if we look at Hardin County on any given Sunday, any given Sunday in Hardin County, 18% of the population has showed up for church. Any church. Which means as you were driving here today, only about one in five people, one in five houses that you passed by were those people going to worship God today. And when we think about just Hardin County, and despite the fact that there are dozens and dozens of churches, lots of them good, biblical, godly churches, and yet only one in five people are actually going to go to one. That can feel overwhelming. And our task can feel overwhelming. And the missionary task can feel overwhelming. But remember, with man it might be impossible. With man it might feel impossible to raise money to send people to the nations. With man it might be impossible to go to every place, to every tribe, every tongue, every nation to go and to share Christ with them. With man these things might seem impossible. But with God all things are possible. When we think about this and this context that comes around it, we get into the text and he says, Lord, we, we have, behold, we have left everything and followed you. And one of the things that I noted about this that actually was very encouraging to me is, is Jesus had no problem reproving the disciples when they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. He doesn't do that to Peter this time. Did you realize that? He says, Lord, we left everything and followed you. And he says, let me tell you about that. Let me tell you about that. I know what you're asking and I want you to understand what you have done. In verse 29, he says this, he says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or farms for my sake or for the sake of the gospel. And then he's going to keep going. Jesus is, is talking about everything. And, and in a lot of ways, Peter and, and the apostles had left everything, but not quite everything. But they had left their homes. They had left their families. They had left their livelihood. And they had left all of this with the hope of, of, of following Jesus and inheriting everlasting life. This is what Jesus is calling them to do. This is the idea behind what discipleship is. In fact, Jesus speaks of this in Luke 14. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. For whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And I hope that there's a part of you that went, whoa. Because you can look, this is Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 26. As you continue on in that passage, he begins to tell them about the importance of counting the cost. See, following Jesus is more than saying a prayer. Following Jesus is more than getting baptized. Following Jesus is more than just having your name on a church membership. Rather, following Jesus is about making Him primary over everything in your life. See, in this term of anyone who comes after me, unless he hates his own mother and father, the term is not saying, okay, if you're going to follow me from this point forward, you need to hate your relatives and hate your hometown and hate all of those things. But he's saying, listen, in comparison to your love for me, 
and he is challenging those who wish to be his disciples, who wish to follow him, who wish to come after him, that they have to be so sold about the gospel and about who Jesus is that every single other thing in their life is secondary, even their life. Now you might rightly say, all right, I get it. God first, I get it. He's, he's on top and everything's on bottom. But, but I want you to, to think about this and think about maybe how this affects the missionary task and affects the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Please understand, when God takes first priority, then accomplishing His work also takes first priority. And everything that we have in this world ought to be generously offered for the sake of accomplishing His will. We talk about this often in church. It's it's taking all that we have and even our very lives and lifting it up to God with open hands. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, it is probably not going to cost you your life to follow Jesus. It might. But it probably won't. It probably won't cost you your family to follow Jesus, but it might. It probably won't cost you your career to follow Jesus, but it might. And the question is, are you going to lift those things up with open hands to God and say, God, have your way? If you want my career, you can have it. If you want my livelihood, you can have it. If you want my possessions, you can have it. If you want my children, you can have it. If you want my life, you can have it. Lord, I offer everything up to you. See, what Jesus did say was that people would leave their homes and their families and their livelihoods all for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. And brothers and sisters, when we think about those who have answered the call to international missions, who have gone to Europe and South America, to Africa, to the Middle East and to Asia, many of them did give up home, family, and livelihood for the sake of bringing Jesus to the nations. We have, in my family, we moved away from home. It's been 12 years now. And let me tell you, living away from home and away from family is hard. It's hard. Because for things like Christmas morning and Thanksgiving and all that stuff, we have to make sacrifices because maybe we need to be here for special service, you know, for services or, or there's just going to be a lot of driving and, and it's hard. But then I go and I talk to our missionaries that are in like southern Brazil or in Poland. And for them, seeing family at Christmas is impossible. 
because they can't just jump on a plane and, and fly and, and do that stuff because they have work to do there and it would take too much time. I can get in a car and I can drive six to nine hours and I can be in my family's home. But our missionaries have left that behind. And for them, being with family on holidays is a very rare and very special thing. But it was a sacrifice that they were willing to make. What sacrifices are we willing to make for the kingdom? Can we sacrifice some money for Lottie Moon? Can we sacrifice some time to go and make the gospel known? Can we even sacrifice maybe even our friendships so that the people that are in our lives would know who Jesus is no matter what? See, these people that we think of, they have answered the call. They have left family and home and livelihood to go and make the gospel known. And we are called to do no less, even if it might look very different. But oh, look at the reward. See, G- see, Peter asked this question and Jesus says that, that, that the one who has left house, brother, sisters, mother, father, children, farms, for my sake and the sake of the gospel, that he, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now. And then I'm going to skip over and say, but in now and in the age to come. This is the happy results of our willingness to give all that we have to go to God with open hands to lay all before God, even our families before him and say, have your way, Lord. Jesus tells us that these people will be blessed not only in life, but in eternity. Look at what it says in in life that we have now. He says that, that the people who do this, that they will be given a hundred times more Now, in the present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms, along with persecution. I love this because he talks about these things and he says you'll you'll have, if you're willing to give up brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, farms and livelihood, even your own life, you will gain those very same things back. Now, they might look a little different. We give up our brothers and our sisters, our our mothers and our children, but we gain those who may not be our blood family, but they are most certainly family. And I love this because, again, you know, we we got the opportunity to go on this mission trip a, a couple months ago, and I know I keep talking about it, but man, it was a good trip. And when we got there and we're talking with these people in this, in this church, and, and let me tell you, like this church, we're huggers. If you're a guest here and you've already been hugged, welcome. If not, you'll probably get hugged before you leave. And so we didn't hesitate to do that. And we walked in and these people started hugging us and we started hugging them right back. And we were talking and laughing. We didn't even speak the same language. And we felt this family connection to these people and this kinship to them. And, and when I think about like the Roys who their family is there and their matters and their family is there, their Christmases ultimately get spent with the people that they are ministering to, that they're discipling, that they're working alongside and they become their family. I said just a few weeks ago 
Now, there's a pastor that moved away from his, his home state to, to come and to be here. How like Thanksgiving meal that we have with the church family is so near and dear to my heart because you have become my family. And I have family in this room. Brothers and sisters. Sue Adler's not with us this morning, but I call her mom. Mostly because she's a food pusher. And I take so many takeaway boxes home after meals because Sue will just look at me and go, I'll make you something. And then I take the 17 takeaways home and my wife goes, where are we going to put this? I said, you tell Sue no. You guys have become my family. And so I come from a family of five. But I have a family of a hundred. He talks about home. A lot of people give up their home, whether that's a place, like a hometown, or maybe a building, or who knows what it might be. And they give up that home, but guess what? They find a home. And for some of us, that home might be a place like here. Like this building right now, Tunnel Hill Baptist Church, becomes that place because home is where your family is. Maybe it becomes a new place. Because even though I wasn't born here, and only one of my kids was born here, this is home. And I was talking with our missionaries, and, and as I was talking to them about, about uh, living in, in uh, Rio Grande do Sul, and I was talking about that, and, and, and Stan made a mention of like, this is, he's like, I, I was born in Tennessee, I think, he was raised in Oklahoma, but this is my home. And, it's, and he's talking because he, you know, he's going to be coming stateside soon. And that's a tough thing because it feels like even though he's coming home, he's also leaving home. And see, when we trust God and we're willing to leave our home, not only will he give us a home, but he'll use us. I can't help but think of Abram. As he was called by God to leave his homeland and to go to this place by, called Canaan where he, would make a, where he would become a nation and that nation would be a blessing to all of humanity. See, when Abram left home, he found a home. And because of Abram's faith, he left home and he found a home. And because of all of that, we now have Jesus. And we have been blessed because Abram went. We talk about livelihood. He says that they will give up fields, but they will be given fields. And I can't help but think of that more beyond just money from a job as much as I think about purpose. We look at our text and he says, but you'll receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms. And as he said that, I was reminded of the words of Jesus just outside of a small Samaritan village when he told his disciples, look at the fields, for they're ready for the harvest. See, you give up a job and you find a ministry 
You find meaning and purpose. You find that you have been invited to participate in a little thing we call the Great Commission. And even for us today, we may give up some money, put it in an envelope for Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And because of that, you might miss out on some coffee, a frozen pizza, a burger at Five Guys. But what you gain is you become a participant in God's work among the nations. A co-laborer in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And this leads us to the age to come. He says not only will you gain these things along with persecutions, but in the age to come you will gain eternal life. And, and I had to tie that back to what the, the, the rich young ruler wanted. Because remember, all of this started when the rich young ruler came in and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he told him, and, he, and when it was all finally said and done, he said, you've got to give all this up. Take your possessions, sell them, give them to the poor and follow me. And Jesus is now saying, listen, the guy at the beginning, what his desire was, was to gain eternal life. But the only way to get eternal life is to forsake all things and follow me. And so we can talk about Lottie Moon and we can talk about uh, a giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And, and make no mistake, I want you to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But what I really want is something far beyond that, that the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is just a symptom of. And that is that you have surrendered yourself completely to Jesus. That you have taken your life, your family, your resources, your priorities, and yes, your wealth. And you've lifted them up to God and said, they're yours. Have your own way. Take what you need to take. Leave what you need to leave. I trust you completely. To the internal life that, that Jesus is, is offering and Jesus is reminding Peter of in this moment is not because they gave. It is not because they, they, they gave up everything, that they forsook everything, that he quit his fishing business, but it was because they trusted in God with all of their lives. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and they followed him. And that is what we are calling you do, to do today. For some of you, that may mean taking that very first step and surrendering your life to Jesus to come to Him in saving faith. Maybe it means taking those first steps like baptism and church membership and, and doing that. But maybe for you, surrendering all to Jesus means doing something like giving to Lottie Moon. When we talk about doing missions and, and, and being a part of the missionary task um, here at Tunnel Hill and with the International Mission Board as a whole, we talk about first praying. And we need to be praying for our missionaries. The second thing is we talk about giving. And giving is part of your regular tithes and offering, and, and giving is part of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. The third thing is going. And maybe as part of your surrendering today, as you finally take that last step and say, hey, I want to go to Brazil next year. 
Or maybe it's like, hey, I don't, I don't know if I'm physically healthy enough to go to Brazil, but I want to go somewhere. And I'll go to, you know, if I can't go to Brazil, I can go to Oneida. And if I can't go to maybe Oneida, then maybe I can go to Indianapolis or, 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 or Cincinnati or somewhere else. I don't know where I can go, but I want to go somewhere. The other thing is send. And I said this last time we had a good missions conversation here in this church. I really, truly believe that there's someone in this room that God is going to be sending. And we're going to be ascending church. And when that person or persons answers the call, that this church is going to get behind them and they're going to send them. And the last thing is welcoming. And brothers and sisters, there is no better time for us to be welcoming the nations into our church than right now. In Hardin County, in Elizabethtown, we have people from Palestine. We have people from Southeast Asia. We have people from Korea. We have people from China. We have people from Mexico. We have people from all sorts of, of countries in South and Central America. We have people from Africa. They're here in our county, attending our college. Their kids go to our schools. What are we willing to give up to welcome the nations into our fellowship? How might God be calling you to sacrifice your time, your energy, who knows what, to see the nations that are right here in Hardin County come to know Christ? I want to leave you with one more exhortation from Jesus. This is found in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. My challenge to you today is where are you storing your treasures? And if they're in this world, I plead with you, I implore with you, open that hand and lift those things up to God and say, have your way. And whether that means Lottie Moon going on a mission trip, supporting the, the, the gospel, going to people here in Hardin County, whatever that means, do it. But take all that you are and lift it up to the Lord and say, God, I will leave all this behind for your sake and for the sake of the gospel. Let us pray. My God, my joy, Lord, I praise you so much that you sent your one and only Son, that he came to bring the good news of the gospel to us. And not only did he bring it to us for our benefit, but he called us to come and to be a part of seeing the gospel go to the nations. Lord, that is brought into our faces today as we begin talking about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But God, it is my hope and prayer that every single one of us here today begins to assess whether we have, like Peter, left all things for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. 
God, will we hand everything that we have and all that we are up to you because you are worthy? And say, all of this is yours, God. Do your thing. And God, with that in our mind, Lord, will we have the courage to actually step out and act, to pray, to give, to go, to send, to, to, to welcome the nations that are here. God, will we do these things because we trust you? For God, we know that the reward is here, Lord. I see the reward all around me. I see the family. I see the home. I see the purpose. God, I pray that all of us would enter into the missionary task. That all of us would sacrifice for your sake and for the sake of the gospel. And Lord, I pray that even today you would be showing us what that means. And Lord, for those that need to surrender their life to Jesus for the first time, God, I pray that that would happen today. And for those of us that have an area of our life that we need to surrender to you, so that you can do a work in our lives, Lord. I pray that we would have the courage to make that decision today. And as we leave here today, Lord, not only will we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, but God, that we will go and do exactly what it is that you've called us to do. Lord, we ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen.